the icons of real estate podcast are you ready to learn the proven money-making secrets from top producing icon agents ready to skyrocket your business this podcast is for you tune in every week and find out how to implement proven strategies to 10 times your business from three million dollars to 30 million dollars in just 12 months brought to you by the masters in real estate marketing ardor seo Welcome to the Icons of Real Estate. I'm Tim Calloway. We have a very special guest for you today from Medina, Ohio, Sam Livingston. Sam, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Great, great. Thanks for being on the program, man. But I'm going to ask you the same question I ask everybody else. No matter how many episodes I do, I have to know. Were you like a five-year-old tugging on your parents' pant legs saying, hey, I can't wait to be a realtor one day? Or, or were you like the rest of us where we just kind of fell something backwards into it i only know of two people that went head first into it and they both came from real estate families i actually talked to the local high school here their junior leadership class and i say everybody that wants to be a realtor raise your hand and nobody raised their hand and then i said what if you saw what what my 1099 said last year you might have a different opinion and my my, my whole process with that isn't to get them in real estate it's to get them to have an open mind right right for sure. So how did you get into real estate? Or maybe start with, you know, a little further back and talk a little bit about your background and, you know, kind of your, your service history, which I think people would definitely love to hear about as much as you can tell. And uh, anything else? So I grew up in um, the mean dirt roads of uh, um, Summerfield, Florida. It was a very rural area in central Florida, just uh, south of Ocala. And it was scrubland. We were as poor as, you know, you, you always hear those things where people go, Oh, we were poor and we didn't know it. Well, I was poor and I knew it. So it was extreme poverty, pretty abusive childhood. My, my parents were not good people, but I had an out and that was I graduated. My mom had started me in school a little bit early. So I graduated high school at 17 and I immediately went to Paris Island and became a Marine. Did that for six years, active duty and then switched over to the reserves. But uh, once I switched over to the reserves, I, I got a job opportunity in, in Oregon. And uh, went up there and interviewed for the pro for the job, and uh, they took someone that was already with the company, made a lot more sense for them. But they said, "We have another this exact position. You should look at that." And I go, "Cool, where's it at?" And they said, "Cleveland, Ohio." And I said, "Nope." And then three weeks later, I interviewed because I didn't want to close any doors, and I met this sales guy that was phenomenal, and I lived in Cleveland, and that was in 1997. So coming up on 26 years pretty crazy that I've been here that long. I hated the job after six months. I realized I wasn't a good inside person. I was an operations manager. And uh, I, I realized that wasn't for me. So I took the Cleveland fire test, became a Cleveland firefighter. And uh, that's when real estate started to become very interesting for me because I worked in one of uh, one of America's worst neighborhoods on East 73rd and Superior in the Superior St. Clair neighborhood. Uh, and it's still, it's a very dangerous neighborhood. It's also very impoverished. And but what I was seeing is real estate, even in that area, was doing things that I, I was watching people make money. I had no desire to get licensed yet, but I started flipping houses, not in that area, but a, around the greater Cleveland area. And what I realized back then, it's a lot different now, I think, is back then you had REO realtors and you had your standard run-of-the-mill realtor. And the REO realtors might have been the worst business people on earth to deal with. They never left their office. Right. They would give me codes to houses like 
with that, with that, without even verifying anything, I wasn't a real estate agent and they knew that. So then I would see the, the settlement check and I'd go, man, that dude just made 4,500 bucks off of me. Right. And, and I did all the work. They didn't, they would, they, they all, they never acted as dual agents. Right. So uh, I was representing myself and I said, well, I'm gonna get my license. So I got sent to Iraq in 2004. I came back in January of 06 and uh, immediately started school, got licensed in May. Uh, and, and at that time it was strictly to run my own deals. And I said, okay, um, I get to be my own realtor. And then the market shifted dramatically in 2007 in this area. And uh, what I noticed then was everybody was so upside down and uh, short sales were a pain to wait for. Uh, you know, I didn't have that kind of patience. Uh, and, I, and I had a, a good investor market around. So I just started repping regular arm's length transactions, short sales, foreclosures um, for, for other people and no longer myself. Now I still do flips, but it's a lot right. less volume. Nice. Well, that, that's a good start, man. I mean, I, I do talk to, you know, in, in, in over the 300 plus episodes that I've done, interesting kind of the direction I was thinking you might be talking about is when, when I talk to people who work in uh, the fire department, they have so much time on their hand, they literally get bored. And, and then they'll tell me, so I got bored. So I just started saying, well, I need to fill up, you know, these little breaks of three days in a row. Maybe I'll get into flipping homes or maybe I'll get my real estate license. And then all of a sudden, two years later, I was no longer in the fire department. You know, it always, it always seems right. to, to go that direction. So it's nice to have that ability though. Right. It's nice it it really is. Ability. Yeah. And, and I, I listen, I, if I could go have coffee with the guys today and, fight a fire tonight I'd, I'd definitely go that but cleveland pays very little right. it's a it's a rough city to work for they don't take care of their people very well they don't take care of their equipment very well uh, the the fire department does the best they can but the budgeting is what it is and i, I think probably a lot of uh, cities our size struggle with that so um i loved the job i hated working for the city and uh real estate gave me an opportunity to, to i just retired early is all yeah well i'm glad you did that's fantastic so let's talk about today. We talked about how you got started and, uh, you know, came up through and, and let's talk about today. So Sam's on fire, you know, part of, uh, you know, it, that, is that part of a bigger team? Well, no. So that's just me being okay. like, I just wanted to say, yeah. like I had this, my logo, my hair on fire, you know. Yeah, like, I love it. I fire. saw that. Yeah, I saw that on the site, man. I love it. Well, and the idea behind that was. I'm not just because I was a fireman was the easy pick, but I'm also fiery, you know, like I'm, yeah, I'm a, a passionate fire, person. I come, yeah. I, yeah. And so I wanted people to immediately get a feel for that because it turns some people off and that's fine with me, but I need them to be, you know, I don't want to be neutral. My business coach and, and I are very good friends now. And yeah. he always said, stop being neutral. Don't be everybody's everything, be you. And, and so that was the idea behind that, but that's just pretty much me being me. My real estate team is is called Marathon Group. Right. And uh, I run it very differently than most real estate teams that I'm aware of. Um, it's it's more of a collaboration and subsidizing cost rather than me trying to make a bunch of money off of people. Nice. So so tell me about the team. I mean, how do, is this? Oh, let me ask you this, phrase it a different way. Is this a team uh, that you've put together over years or did you walk and take over a team? A lot of people are different. There's a different story for everyone. Sure. 
I was on a, t- a, a team at Keller Williams for eight years. Okay. They were the, they are still the number one team in Ohio. I was there when we made that progression from, you know, somewhere in the top 30 in Ohio to number one. Um, and they've stayed number one, I think, for about six or eight years. Don't quote me on that, but number one in volume uh, and commission. So um, I learned a lot from them. I learned as much about what I didn't want to do as what I did. And what they've done is phenomenal. And you can't question that. You know, they they do tons of business. I didn't want to do it that way. And I didn't want to do certain things that most teams, especially Gary Keller had such, you know, it was a prolific process he, he used and now look at how many teams are out there in the last two decades yeah. and I think that's a Gary Keller I mean that was he started that process and I'm very thankful to learn it but I there was as much I didn't like about it as I did yeah uh, and I think that's important too and give him that credit to to you're able to see certain processes that just aren't they're not me so my team uh is I have 19 people in in a, a group I, I I call it marathon group instead of a team, because I want people to immediately have an idea that it's not a team. And so what happens on traditional teams, uh, I'm sure you're you're very familiar, is there's one, there's the Rainmaker or whatever they right. call it. And uh, everything goes in that real estate agent's name. And that's how you get your stats and those things. And what I didn't like about that is you're an anonymous agent sometimes right. or your own. And, and what happens when you leave? You know, it's the same thing I tell newer agents, whether they join us or not. I'll give you marathongroup.com email. Right. Why would you want it? Brand yourself. Right. Put you on the sign. And, and, and I didn't like the idea that everybody was the same. And no matter how little the selling point for a brand new agent is I'm on this number one team. And, you know, we're phenomenal. I've never sold you a single thing or sold anyone right. a single thing, but but they're coming with that same. And, you know, it, it can be deceptive for a buyer or seller thinking they're getting someone with a lot more ability or experience. So right. I wanted to help agents grow and subsidize all of the crazy costs. You know, I'm, I work with EXP, so we don't have hard offices, except I do. I have two offices right here in Medina Square. Right. And what I do is I offer those offices and all the printing and all the signs and all the lock boxes and all the full-time admin staff and everything for anyone who's in our group, because I'm able to, every deal that they do, I get paid on because they're in my downline. Right. So I'm able to, to just, instead of taking a large percentage or putting my name on everything is I just have them pay me a transaction fee a per deal transaction fee. And that subsidizes my admin staff, my rent, my electricity, my printing, my signs, my lockboxes. And and, and then the signs, as far as I provide the, I provide everything that they want if they wanted to say marathon group, but 75% of the agents want their own sign. They just have the insert. And I tried to make, you know, it's it's their business. And that's, that's the other thing that I really, it frustrates me about real estate in some ways is um, people want to be entrepreneurs, but they don't step out and and be entrepreneurs. They're really employees that are, they're 1099 employees and they might as well be a W-2. Right. Because they're, they're really just following along in other teams. Well, you know, but you said it though, Sam, is, is like, I, I think a lot of realtors, especially not necessarily with, with a ton of experience, say those middle of the road realtors that make that transition to EXP, and maybe they came from a team. That's all they've ever known. Right. Like, here's your, here's your slot. Um, sit, stand, walk, close, whatever it may be. And, uh, and stay there. 
And so when they when they come into EXP, which I highly recommend to anybody you know in the industry, uh, and they have this autonomy, but they still have a team, right? I mean, Sam still got a team around him. He still we, we you all want to help, right? You all want to get involved and pitch in. Well, that doesn't that's not always the case with other big box names. You know what I mean? It's like right. it, it's actually what I find sometimes, and I'll just I, I can say it those big box names I call them don't like to share how they succeed with other realtors. You know, they, they might say, there's your desk, there's a phone, just call a hundred people and get them to list their home, you know, whatever. I'll go pay Zillow, you know, 10 grand this month, whatever, you know, and instead of, Hey, you know what, here's the, here's the playbook. Here's Sam's on fire playbook, you know, or whatever. And I, I want you to succeed and along with the other 17 or 16, you know, we want you to succeed. So, I like that, you know, and that's why I, I really like how EXP does that. We always mimic somebody else's success when we get started. We're new. That's that. that sure. listen, there's no better roadmap than watching someone who's right. either been wildly successful or wildly failed, and and take take both and 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 put it in your playbook as to what not to do or what to do. My process is just. I've heard of people saying, you know, when I got licensed in 06, the the internet wasn't as as important to us then in real estate as it is now. And I remember I walked into this upstairs office. There were there was either very, very old agents, and I mean age-wise, not necessarily experienced, but or very young agents and not a lot of middle ground. So there was no elevator in the building. And so all the young agents migrated to the upstairs and all the old agents were downstairs. And, and there was no, listen, there was like two different companies. But I walked into our upstairs office and my uh, my manager at the time was a great guy. Um, this was at Realty One before Howard Hanna bought him out of this region. But um, I walked into the office and I and I was expecting some kind of playbook or help. And I looked and there's this big bullpen area with like maybe 35 desks, a phone, the old school phone on each one. And there was one in the middle that had a yellow legal pad and a pen and a phone book. And then around the bullpen was the offices and those were the successful agents. And I said, all right, Rich, uh, what's up? He goes, oh, that's your desk over there. So I go and I sit down. What the hell am I doing? This agent, um, Timothy Bradford, who's still in the business, still works at Howard Hanna, great guy, walks over to me and he goes, what's up? And I said, "I, I don't really know where to get started. He goes, what's your favorite letter? And I said, I don't know. He goes, what's your favorite? Just pick up. I said, L. He opened the phone book to L and he goes, start there. And it was like, you know, Aaron, whatever, Lake or whatever it was. And he goes and call each one of those phone. And I was like, oh, I'm not, this business is not for me. And then what happened was I had to start looking and cheating off other agents. And you said it a minute ago, which really funny is no, the successful agents, it was like they were taking a test and they were high. They were right. like, look at my paper. And I'm like, oh, listen, wait, <laughs> the thing I love about EXP and, and I tell Albie Stasek is, is, is a good friend of mine. I've known him for many, many years before he came to EXP with uh, Jay Kinder and, and, and Michael Reese. And they're wildly successful. But I but I, I knew Albie, he was successful other places, too. But watching people like that and seeing what they're able to do, they they provide a service to other EXP agents just by being there. Right. And that's something that I think is kind of refreshing because when I was on that that team at Keller, there was a mindset of, if you're not with us, then you're against us. And, and I don't think that's a very good real estate mindset. 
even across agencies. There's there's some great real estate agents that work for other companies right here that are very good friends of mine that we collaborate. I'll call and ask them specific things like, hey, have you ever run into this before? And, and they share. Not everybody's capable of doing that. And I do think that companies like EXP have given an opportunity for agents to see. It doesn't have to be, don't cheat off my paper. Right, right. Yeah, there's definitely a, a mentality of sharing success as opposed to uh, what I hoarding success. I, I think a lot of places do that. And that's where that whole, it, you know, what's funny, Sam, is it goes all the way back to what you were talking about being on a team. You know, I mean, some teams are formed to keep other people from having that success. They just want to put them in that spot and go, now you are a foundation to my success. Does that make sense? I mean, it's like, oh, I didn't realize that I was going to be pigeonholed. Well, and I see, I, this is what I see with some of those teams that do it that way is they have a lot of turmoil at the bottom. Yeah. They get their agents that are really good and just loyal to that team. Maybe they love the, the people there, whatever. They will forego some of the money that they could be making because they're getting fulfilled somewhere else. I applaud that. That's great. It's not me, but having that purpose and they're very content, that's great. And then you have the brand new agents that come in there and they're like, cool, I'm a part of this big team and I'm going to learn. The middle, that middle ground is where those teams get so lost because what happens is, in my opinion, and I've seen it happen so many times, the new agent that doesn't know what they're doing, they come right. in, either they, either they fail or they succeed. And if they fail, but not so badly, they'll stay at that team because they're getting the Zillow lead that they think is free, but you know, that co it's costing you how much percent free. you're getting spoon fed things. You're getting told basically you're an employee. So, so they're good at that. The ones that are new that kind of migrate into success migrate out of those teams because they go, wait a minute, what am I giving up all this for? And what am I not getting in return? And I'll say from running a team and being on teams that are run, I think it's extremely difficult to have a traditional team where you're taking a percentage of their pay. It's hard to justify that at some point. Right. For sure. I mean, there, there becomes a, a wall or a cliff or whatever, you know, it just, it doesn't work anymore. Mathematically, it doesn't. Work. Mathematically, you're, it doesn't work. And not only that, but when I was on that team for eight years. Yeah. Do you know how much real estate it looked like I did in eight years? Right. Zero. <laughs> right. He's still new. <laughs> yep. Still. Actually, a funny story. Before I joined the team, I was in Afghanistan and I was gone for 15 months and I had one closing in that 15 month period. And that was a new construction house. that took nine months, 10 months to build whatever it was. So I was negotiating for my mother-in-law's house, um, the sale. And I had an agent that came in six hours on the market with a horribly low. It was actually a, a dirty offer, if you ask me. Yeah. And then she was she was pushing, pushing, pushing. And she goes, well, Sam. I feel like you're doing a disservice to your mother-in-law. She said, I feel like we're doing a disservice to your mother-in-law because you're not going to, she goes, you know, the first offer is usually the best offer. And I was like, well, not this offer. And right. she said, and I see that you haven't done any real estate in a long time. You haven't done much real estate. I was like, yeah, well, I was in Afghanistan and that dirt was really hard to sell. Yeah. And, and, but that, but. Ryan, pal. <laughs> but it made me think about that. How many real estate agents are out there looking up other real estate agents in the MLS? It happened with my old partner. She she got her broker's license in Ohio. They renew your your whole member number right. by year. So this agent called her and he goes, hey, well, I know you're brand new. Was, no, I'm a brand new broker. <laughs> but I see those things happen regularly. Yeah. With the, I think it's a small percentage of bad apples, but it happens. 
Yeah, that's a cheap shot move. That's all that. Oh, means. absolutely. But but we can we know it's wrong and we know right. it shouldn't happen, but we know it does happen. And how do you how do you combat it? And I think that being on a team can be difficult at best. That's true. Very, very, very true. So let's let's tell me what the next one, three, and five years, or maybe just one in three, five years, Sam. What does that look like for you, you and your team? Any big plans, goals, dreams, you know, that you could share? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I I am very happy in the space that I'm in from a position of my own real estate deals. I, the number of, of transactions I do and the seller versus buyer uh, percentages, they're, they're pretty on target for where I want to be. And I don't want to grow myself much more than that because time is limited. I'm going to be 50 years old this year. And I go, there's things that I just absolutely believe that I want to be doing and should be doing. Right. Um, so from that perspective, my next year is in someone said, well, you, so you want to be stagnant. And I was like, I'm not stagnant. I'm out selling you, but um, right. <laughs> I don't, it, it, that, you know, that's, that's usually the quickest way to, to let right. someone know like, Hey, don't insult me there. But um, right. the, you live in a rough place there, Sam. Jeez. You're well, it's it from all it, sides. Listen, I, well, I think I think real estate agents are a little bit like firemen, man. You yeah. you go through the grinder for a few years and you go in an up and down market. It tough. It, it gets you some thick, thick skin. skin. Yeah. And also yeah. we throw shots at each other like friendly usually. Yeah. But this was a friend that said he I wanted to remain. Right. But my so my next year, my really big goal is to we have some brand new agents on the team in the group, I should say. So my big goal is to help them find success in whatever that looks like for them. Um, we have someone that wants to transition out of her career into full-time real estate agent, and she's already doing extremely well. Actually, this is this is going to be our fourth person that's kind of going that move. Um, we had someone who was, uh, well, we'll just say uh, they were related to real estate before they got licensed for a while, and they were told that they probably wouldn't make a great agent. And um, she's outselling 75% of the market. I absolutely love her. But my idea is those are the people that I want to, to kind of hitch my wagon to and provide any success tips, any coaching, any, any of that, that they're willing to accept or want to accept. And right. I, because again, the EXP model says every time that I help them be successful, I'm going to get paid and right. not from that agent's pocket. That's a beautiful thing. And then when other people see that their success, that's that exponential growth that EXP has just been hammering for the last few years since I joined. So that's my one-year goal with the people we already have. My one-year goal is to add five agents to the group. Now that doesn't necessarily mean downline because I have people in my downline that right. are not in my group. They don't, they're not even licensed in Ohio in many cases. Right. So I want to add 10 more of those on my first line. So that means relationships directly with me. Right. Um, and then that also means helping those agents in my first line obtain and open their first and second lines. So that's my one year goal is 10 for me, 30 overall, which is it, that's a it's very obtainable. Um, and the reason it's not more is because I'm limiting some time that I spend. You know, I watch what the Jay Kinders and the Michael Reese's and the and the Albies and uh, Hank uh, Avink up in, in Michigan. And I watch what these guys have done all over and I go, absolutely. And how much time did they invest? And, and they did it the absolute best time. And, and I love it, but I, I grow differently. And so that's my one-year goal. My five-year goal is to be making $50,000 a month in residual 
revenue. That's going to mean a couple different things. And I have, I have plans laid out for exactly what that looks like. Um, and I think I'll way surpass that because again, there's so much that we control, but then what happens if you do recruit an Albie Stasic? Right. Or an right. You, you almost won the lottery. And that's the right. thing that I just don't understand what people, you know, you hear the, you hear the fun being made. And when I was at Keller Williams, they said we drank the Kool-Aid and I think everybody, every brand should have its own Kool-Aid. Right. I, I, don't think that's a, yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing at all. No, I think that if you're know. going to be there, you should be invested in whatever Kool-Aid they're serving to a point. I think that you should partake because the it's brand, it's awareness around what is, what who you are. Other than processes and brand. That's what I always say. Usually when I hear someone say something like that, it's usually out of something um, jealousy or some negativity that they're, they, Sam they drink the Kool-Aid. Sam yep. drank the Kool-Aid. Well, Sam's drinking the Kool-Aid on the Sam's 21st like, of every month. I've got an IV of Kool-Aid. What are you talking about? <laughs> if you can set me up for a minimum of $50,000 a month in residual income for the rest of my life, and I don't drink that Kool-Aid, maybe I'm an idiot. You might be. Yeah, exactly. I agree a thousand percent. Why are you there? That's, right. that's the real question. Then why are that you there? Now, again, I also understand, like I said, there's people in other places that are exactly where they should be as well. And I, that's not the people I'm trying to convince of anything ever. I'm just saying for me, these are the opportunities I have. So in 10 years, I want to no longer be doing any residential or commercial real estate of my own. There you go. Whatsoever. I want to just be coaching, uh, talking to people that I enjoy speaking with. Um, I'm writing a book right now. That'll be done within the year. Um, and that's really just for my own personal gratif uh, gratification. I'm not I'm not trying to sell and make millions off a book. I don't know if that's even possible on a nonfiction book anymore. And maybe it is, but that's not my that's not my my reasoning behind it. So those are the goals that I have moving forward from a business perspective. Nice, Sam. Sam Livingston, EXP Realty. Thanks so much for being on the program. I really look forward to catching up with you over the next three, six, nine months, see how things are going. Sure. Uh, and uh, stay stay warm and dry. Yep. I'm, I'm going to try. Hey, and one real quick thing. Yeah. Uh, you introduced it as Medina, Ohio, which is, that's everybody's pronunciation. Medina. It's Medina, Ohio. Medina. And I, I remember after I said it. But, and I'm not trying to correct you because I actually No, it's it. fine. No, you should. I have a, well, I have a page, just a, a little off story, and, and maybe this yeah. gets cut or not, but Tone Loke tra uh, never trademarked the phrase. He copywrote the song, Funky right. Cold Medina, but he right. didn't trademark it. So I trademarked the phrase, Funky Cold Medina. And wow. I have a page for it. And I and I all I do is business promotion. This is where agents can really get in the weeds and own their marketplace. Yeah. Every business here in Medina is on that page, sharing stuff to that page, sharing stuff from that page. I we love do, it. Uh, we'll go to live concerts uh, in the park that are free and live stream them. And, and the reality is that means I'm in my market, I'm in my neighborhood, I'm in my community, and I understand the community. So um, so it's just a little play on words. Every year we do reach out to Tone Loke and wish him a happy birthday from Funky Cold Medina. Um, I love so, it, man. I um, love it. Sam, anyway. thanks so much for being on the program. Uh, have a great week. Enjoy it. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, sir.